Well, we made it. We're in the championship week of fantasy football leagues, week 17 of the NFL season. No longer the last week of the year. We've got the meaningless week 18 ahead, but uh, here we are for the fantasy championships. And we will be without Miles Nelson today, feeling a little bit under the weather. I uh, just got his booster shot. So uh, we've all been there. Uh, get better, Miles. You, you got us to the championship. Uh, we may need to put you on the bench this week, but we've got some reserves to come in and fill in. So uh, I'm going to be joined by Ryan Heath, as always. Uh, we'll be going through all the sit starts for the week. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a fun week to get through because we have just about as much news as ever. And there's just going to be two of us. So Ryan, how are you feeling about doing this? A man down uh, going through, uh, we don't have miles to translate the COVID rules now. How are we going to get through this? Yeah, that was my first realization today when we started putting the show sheet together. I'm like, oh God, like I have to actually understand what these COVID rules are. I can't just rely on miles at this point to just explain it to us. So Hopefully we did our best and you you guys will know what to do with regards to COVID because I'm not sure I even do after putting this together. So, yeah. Fun stuff. Uh, the NFL makes it real easy for us, uh, changing rules midway through the season. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I did want to mention up top, um, just I'm sure you've heard on other podcasts, seen it on ESPN and everything that uh, John Madden passed away this week. And I just wanted to mention like how big of a part of all of our lives he's been. Um, I know I grew up like when everyone references Madden uh, 1994 is one of the big video games. I was 10 years old back then. So I was in prime video game territory, especially for football. So uh, I'm secretly uh, coming up on being an old man here, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. But um, I've been playing John Madden, you know, video games my whole life. I think most of our kind of, um, fond memories of Thanksgiving football kind of goes back to John Madden, uh, John Madden and Pat Summerall, uh, just entertaining us during Thanksgiving football. Now we get a lot of like lions games and they're not so exciting anymore, but, uh, just a lot of fond memories around John Madden. And I just thought it was worth bringing it up. We, we don't stray too much from fantasy football here usually, but he was a big part of all of our lives. And I always, you know, a lot of times when uh, celebrities pass away, you know, you kind of feel sad, um, you think about, you know, just what could have been if they, you know, it, you know, things ended too soon. And John Madden, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm just happy when I think about him, like all the, the funny things he's done, all the uh, telestrator stuff he did talking about turduckins. Like it's just all happiness. I think when I think about John Madden and, uh, that's a really nice feeling and I, I wish he would have stayed around longer, but he had a, a full life. And I, I think we're all probably better off as football fans having listened to John Madden for all those years. So, um, Ryan, I don't know if you have the same thoughts about John Madden, but we're going to miss him. But it was uh, it was a fun ride while he was around. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Eric. Um, personally, I'm more of the generation where my, my only really engagement with John Madden has been through video games. And of course, that those are fond memories, as you said. Um, the only thing I'll add is th- there's a lesson we can all learn from the situation, and that's when you type something into Twitter, just, just read it twice or three times and may, maybe think about like, is this going to turn me into the main character of Twitter today? Like, do, do I really need to show everybody how smart I think I am by comparing video games and concussions? I, I don't want to get too into it, but yeah, that, that was pretty frustrating to read this week. Yeah, if you missed it out there, there were just there were a few tweets uh, on going around uh, Twitter 
uh, critical of John Madden somehow playing into concussion safety. Uh, when actually clips are coming out of Madden, you know, pretty early on, I think it was uh, Jim McMahon suffered a concussion and John Madden was like, he shouldn't go back in the game. Concussions are serious business. There's there's quotes of Madden talking about little kids safety and they shouldn't be wearing helmets and tackling when they're little kids. So I, I don't think anyone in the NFL is guilt free when it comes to the concussion issue throughout the years. But uh, to try to blame John Madden for this is pretty outrageous. So uh, we are going to keep the thoughts very positive here on John Madden. And uh, getting back to the video game, I I would have to say that during my high school years, I wasted several weeks of my life on that game. We had a, a four-person franchise going just about at all times, and there was constantly a game of Madden going on in the house. So um, John Madden will be missed. Uh, and on a side note, um, hopefully they can make uh, the video game a little better nowadays. That would be great, but I digress. So, all right, let's get into the fantasy football news for the week. And we're going to start with uh, the COVID news. Um, the NFL has changed its COVID rules once again. Uh, most importantly, players could play after testing positive if it has been at least five days and their symptoms have improved. Vaccinated players may test out before the five-day window. It sounds like we're we basically transitioned to the stage where there's random testing on Mondays. After that, it's kind of self-reporting symptoms or uh, close contact type stuff. But if somebody doesn't go on the list early on in the week, they're generally safe. Um, and then it seems like players report their symptoms throughout the week once they're on the list. And if they say they're symptom-free, they can get off. So uh, it, they've definitely loosened up. The five-day window is a big thing. I, I think probably the days of multiple COVID, uh, multiple week absences due to COVID is probably over, except for these serious cases where uh, players are really sick. And we, we've seen a lot of those come out this week, too, of uh, several receivers saying that uh, it, it really wiped them out for a couple weeks and they're still not feeling the same. I think Allen Robinson said he lost 10 pounds from his COVID stint. So um, obviously those are still going to keep players out for a while, but it sounds like quicker returns are on the horizon for the most part. Uh, we could discuss if that's a good or a bad thing for uh, probably uh, an hour, but we'll skip that for now. So um, let's let's stick with the fantasy football news. Uh, this is just in time for Carson Wentz. Um, based on these rules, he may be able to play Sunday if his symptoms improve. Um, Ryan, what do you think this means for the Colts? Because uh, this is a pretty big domino to fall here if they have their quarterback or not. Yeah, it's going to be huge for the fantasy football implications of both Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. I mean, you're probably not interested in playing Wentz regardless, other than in Superflex. Um, but for Taylor, this is the difference between possibly a ceiling game and a floor game for him. I don't know if I like his chances to be a top five player at the position this week if Wentz is out and Sam Ellinger is under center. Um, and as for Pittman, this really is make or break for him. I don't think he's even a viable wide receiver too, uh, without Wentz. So it's going to be really important to see what Wentz ends up being able to do. My guess is that his symptoms are going to miraculously improve on Sunday morning. It, I think that's probably a story we're going to be hearing a lot this week. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess only time can tell. Yeah, it sounds like there's some uh, intervention with medical professionals when they report their symptoms, but I think if it's not outwardly visible, these guys are all going to magically feel better. I agree with that. So, um, yeah, I've got Pittman like wide receiver 22. That even feels high with Wentz. He would plummet down probably down into the low 30s uh, if Wentz would miss, I would say. Um, and as far as Jonathan Taylor, like we're starting him, I think regardless, I can't imagine he falls much lower than RB. 
like seven through nine range, even if Wentz is out. Does that sound about right to you? I mean, you'd have to be really stacked to not be playing Jonathan Taylor, regardless of the who the quarterback is. They could probably put the punter out there. <laughs> yeah, I agree you're playing him either way, and they're definitely going to lean on him more if Wentz can't play. Um, but just what it means for the offense as far as the number of red zone trips that they might ha- have is really concerning. Um, but yeah, either way you're playing him, it, it's just uh, where are your expectations going to be at type of thing for him. Yeah, because he's a, he's the RB1 with Wentz probably and uh, without. But yeah, it, that is a drop off. So, OK, well, we'll keep an eye on that. That's going to have big implications. But I, I think I agree with you. I would not be surprised to see Wentz out there come Sunday so and that is one nice thing about this week we have all Sunday games no Thursday which is why we are coming to you a day later Um, not even any Saturday games so you should have a lot more of your information ready on Sunday to make these decisions won't be as tricky as trying to decide on your Thursday start sit decisions as usual but um, as always our sit start article is out um, on the website right now Uh, please check it out we'll have uh, full in-depth breakdowns of every game different uh, staff member for each one Um, I contributed this week to the Dolphins Tennessee matchup and then as always I will have my rankings out by the time you listen to this so uh, check those out Um, Send us messages on Twitter. If you're not in our Discord, um, think about joining. But we're always happy to answer any questions. Uh, This final week is really team-specific. So sometimes it's a little hard to give broad fantasy advice. So feel free, ask us away uh, any questions that you have. So um, let's get into uh, the streamers for the week. Ryan, who are your favorite streamers at quarterback, tight end, and defense? Yeah, so at quarterback, this is a pretty obvious week. We have Trey Lance at 20% roster ship on Yahoo playing the Texans. It is. It seems very unlikely that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play based on these injury reports that we've seen, no matter what Kyle Shanahan wants to get us to think. Um, Lance himself, he last started in week five, and in that game he had 16 rushing attempts for 89 yards. So if you tell me that a quarterback is going to have 16 rushing attempts, I would start him over a lot of guys. Even in championship week, I don't really care that we don't have that big of a sample size with Lance. I don't think it even really matters what he does through the air. He can just add so much value with his legs. And the 49ers are favored by two touchdowns against Houston, and they have the third highest implied total on the slate. Lance is going to be crazy chalk in DFS, which means that in your normal seasonal lineups where you're the only one that can play Trey Lance, you should play him. It it just it just makes way too much sense. Yeah, I mean, he's already given us a 20 and a 16 point game and has barely played this year. Um, you look at the Texans, they've been shockingly competitive lately, but and uh, you look at them against running backs, they've given up a ton of points to opposing running backs, not so much quarterbacks, but uh, like you said, I think Lance is more of a running back at this point. So I'd almost look at the points allowed to running backs for Houston more than the quarterback position. So, yep, I'm there with you. I do think it's a little scary rolling them out there for your fantasy championship, but the upside is just too big. So um, I would rather play him than like Lamar Jackson, for instance, on a hobbled ankle. Yeah, there there are multiple guys I would play him over. If you if you're someone that's been relying on Kirk Cousins, we're probably going to talk about that game a little bit, but yep. there are some weather concerns happening there. So that's another person that I would prefer Lance to. So moving on to tight end, we've got CJ Uzoma against the Chiefs. This is more of just a game total process type of pick. Uzoma hasn't been great as far as production goes recently, but he does have a 17% target share in the last three weeks, which I believe has slightly eclipsed Tyler Boyd. 
Uh, this game is the second highest over under on the slate, as I said. And Uzoma actually has four red zone targets in the last three weeks, and that's tied with guys like Zach Ertz and Mike Gesicki. We haven't been seeing the touchdowns, but that could easily change because he's getting the opportunity there. And I've got him ranked at tight end 14. He's probably not going to get in your lineup over a regular tight end starter, but he's who I like the most of sort of the streaming tier of guys this week. Okay. And we'll get to some more desperation options uh, later on in the podcast. And who is your defensive streamer this week? Yeah, for defense, I've got Chicago. Uh, They're rostered in about 40% of Yahoo leagues. The Giants are implied only 16 points this week. Uh, Chicago gets to play at home. I just, it just feels like this is the only really viable streamer this week. It just, it feels so obvious. Like Daniel Jones, I mean, is not a great quarterback, but apparently he's better than what the Giants have been rolling out since his injury. So I really think you just pick up Chicago and don't worry about it this week. We'll talk about other options if they've already been taken. And if you don't have any other uh, defenses that you've stashed, but they're who I would look to first. Yeah, definitely a top 10 defense. So I'm not even sure Giants, I believe, are going to be doing some kind of quarterback split. I'm not even sure if they've decided on on Fromm and Glennon. So probably not a good decision. Regardless. <laughs> so, um, all right. Sounds great. Uh, let's get into the bulk of the show. Um, before we get into it though, um, as always join us on PL plus, if you would like to join our discord, uh, talk football around the clock, we got fantasy baseball coming up on the pitcher list side. Uh, it's really a great time to get in. Um, but yeah, just come join us and, and talk football. You can go to pitcherlist.com slash plus to, uh, to find out information on that. Um, we give recommendations on, uh, you know, just any kind of league out there. I'm getting grand theft uh, league questions. I, I don't even know what half these leagues are called, but uh, we can usually decipher them and give you some help. So uh, please join us and uh, talk some fantasy football year round. Um, but just a reminder for the podcast, this is all based on 12 team PPR leagues. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, we, we try to give some advice for other league types, but it's generally going to be focused around that. So uh, let's get to the running back position. Um, we'll start with the most added players of the week. There were a bunch on the list, but there were really only two that were above uh, 10,000 ads in Yahoo leagues that are, I think, the clear ones to talk about here. Um, Dare Ogumbawale for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Boston Scott for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, let's start with Dare Ogunbowale. Uh, there are a lot of questions on him this week in the sit-start post on Reddit. Um, there are a shocking amount of people who seem to want to roll him out there against the Patriots. I am very hesitant to do that. I know there's like nobody else on Jacksonville's roster at running back, but um, this matchup against the Patriots terrifies me. How do you feel about Ogunbowale this week, Ryan? I am shockingly okay with you playing Dario Gumbawale this week. I I mean, 17 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown, two of four targets for 15 yards receiving. He played all but one snap after James Robinson left. As you said, there's really nobody else here. I didn't even recognize the name of the guy that played one other snap. He was probably a fullback. And look... I understand that the game script is probably not going to be what you would want for a running back with the Jaguars playing New England, but I will say that the Patriots are no strangers to giving up huge chunk runs to absolutely random running backs this year. I still have PTSD flashbacks to Dontrell Hilliard like a month later. So I think there's room here for Goomba Wale to put up RB2 flex type of numbers and possibly have a big play that makes his day 
Like he's going to get the volume that actually seems pretty locked in. So I'm totally fine with you rolling him out there over guys that maybe you were playing last week or that you're maybe looking at uh, because of COVID or injuries. So yeah, that's where I'm at on Goomba Wale. Okay. So I guess it actually looks like we both have them in about the same range. It's kind of RB 28, 29 range. I do think one benefit of Ogumbawale is that he is a pass catcher, and that's going to help if they're trailing. Uh, I will say keep an eye on the news if you're going to start him. Like, I just couldn't find any news on this Jacksonville back, backfield personally. Um, the, the depth chart is literally him and uh, James Robinson, who is hurt. I did not see any other names on it. I'm sure somebody gets called up from the practice squad or somebody is signed. I would keep an eye on that up to kickoff, but – if it's just a Gumbawale, he's going to have a huge role, and we've we've seen equally uh, no name running backs produce in the past. So, um, yeah, I think he's a desperation RB two, um, desperation flex play type, and um, yeah, if, if you can get four or five catches out of him, you'll be just fine, I'm sure. So that's really what we're looking for here. Um, okay, and then as far as Boston Scott, um, this is going to take some kind of injury news here to to diagnose him, but um, it did look like Jordan Howard was limited on Thursday with a stinger. Uh, so he's, I guess, on track to play this week. Miles Sanders is out with a hand injury. Uh, let's just kind of talk about the whole backfield here since people are adding Boston Scott. What do you think about the Eagles' backfield? Do you want to start any of them? Is, is Kenneth Gainwell even interesting? Uh, what are your thoughts here? I think there's upside here based on the matchup because the game, the game script should be favorable against Washington. Um, but I just don't really know what to make of this Boston Scott Jordan Howard dichotomy. Like I would think Howard has the best chance to score a touchdown, but they've really been using both of these guys in the red zone throughout the year. And Scott gets a little more receiving work generally um, with Howard working in more on the ground. So I think I'd lean Scott between the two of them, but I, I think I'd prefer a Goombawale to either if both are active, just because I can't be confident about the volume of either player. Okay. Yeah. Last week, I mean, Miles Sanders played 19 snaps, so he was out there for 30%. Um, it, it shook out 35 for Howard, 32 for Scott. So it's kind of a three-way split, but we're going to remove Sanders from that equation for sure. So I think I, I've got Jordan Howard a couple spots above a Goombawale just because of the touchdown role. I, I know they're both getting shots, but um, Howard has produced pretty well when he's given the opportunity, but still I've, I've just got Jordan Howard RB 26 and I've got Boston Scott 31. So they're all kind of right in that same range there. It's, it's a pretty fluid range of running backs. Um, and I think it's kind of a clear tier, uh, the start of where Jordan Howard and Agunbowale and Boston Scott are. So I, I think we're kind of all talking the same range here, but this Philadelphia backfield has been really good. It's It's been chopped up a little too much, but they're producing on the ground, really no passing game work, but Against Washington, as bad as they looked last week, you got to figure they can lean on the run. So uh, it sounds like we're both probably okay with you starting either one of these running backs. Just keep your expectations in check. Yeah, it's totally possible that both score and both have usable fantasy weeks too. So I think if you have one of them and you need to, just start them and don't sweat it too much. Yep, and it seems like Gainwell is just kind of an afterthought at this point. He kind of went away once they stopped throwing to the running backs and, and throwing in general so much. So there's not really a lot of room for him right now, I would say. Um, okay, those are the two most added players at running back on in Yahoo Leagues. Um, so let's get to some injury news here. Uh, we'll start out. Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team did not practice Thursday after being limited Wednesday. Uh, do you have any interest here in anyone as a speculative ad, whether it's Jarrett Patterson or Jonathan Williams, or is it uh, Gibson or Bustier? 
Yeah, I don't think you would be starting Patterson or Williams against the Eagles. This this is the wrong side of that game script, most likely. Um, I think it's okay to like add Patterson onto your bench if you just want to block your opponent from using him, if your opponent might be really desperate for running backs. But I don't think either are must-grabs on the waiver wire. Yeah, I think I would prioritize Patterson first. Uh, I have Antonio Gibson RB19 right now ahead of some pretty decent names. That was kind of before the injury news came out. Uh, he's uh, Since McKissick's gotten hurt, he's had a pretty nice role, and there aren't a lot of running backs with that three-down role. So uh, do you think this lowers him much? I'm not sure exactly where you have him, but uh, are you sweating this injury right now, or do you think it's just like a maintenance day? Yeah, I also had him at RB19 uh, before that injury report came out with his hip injury. Um it does worry me some. I have him on multiple championship rosters, so I'm sure I'm going to be sweating it all weekend. Um, but ultimately, I think if he's out there, you play him because he's played through injury plenty this year. Um, he has produced at points even when he's been hurt um, with his turf toe. And we know that if Washington can, then they're going to run the ball. Hey, they even use Gibson on... Uh, on like a dump off and that he ran in for a touchdown uh, against the Cowboys. That was pretty much the only good thing in that game. Um, but it, Hey, it did happen and may, maybe it'll continue. Yeah. That was one of the games I watched for what we saw and he was having an okay game until it just got completely out of hand and they benched him wisely. So uh, hopefully they saved him a little bit for this week, but we will see, uh, keep an eye on Gibson. Um, another one for the Jets, another COVID list. Uh, Tevin Coleman is placed on the COVID list. Nobody's going to be starting Tevin Coleman, uh, but does that just increase your confidence in Michael Carter at this point? Yeah, it definitely does. I'd had Carter ranked at about RB26, um, but he's going to go up from there with Coleman being out because it seems like he's just going to dominate the volume here. Not that he wasn't going to anyways after his performance last week. Um, but yeah, I think you feel good about him as an RB2 at this point. Yep, agreed. I am at RB24. Uh, he came back last week and played 74% of the snaps. We're not seeing that check down volume that we saw with Mike White back in the day, but he's still a pretty productive running back. And uh, it is a tough matchup um, against Tampa Bay for sure. Uh, but maybe that'll force them to lean on the passing game a little more and he'll get some check downs. So yeah, I, I think Carter probably, I don't know if he bumps up a whole lot. He's kind of at the start of a tier, I'd say, but um, definitely locked in as an RB2 for you if you need him. So um, let's get to San Francisco here. Um, Elijah Mitchell is limited with a knee injury, which is a positive development for Mitchell. He's on his way back. It appears he has a chance to play this week. Um, is he a must start this week? Like, and if he is, how much of a must start? I think everyone probably wants to play Mitchell against Houston, but some lineups might have some stacked running back situations at this point of the year. So how desperately are you getting Elijah Mitchell into your lineup against Houston this week? Yeah, he's my RB17. I think there's potential for a really huge boom week here. Obviously, it's a dream matchup. The um, the implied total is right where we want it. Um, and I do have him over guys like Antonio Gibson. So it's possible you're jamming him in. Um, but I don't think he's in like RB1 territory or anything. We don't know exactly what this offense will look like with Lance. It's possible that Lance just siphons off all the red zone carries for Mitchell. There's a wide range of outcomes here, I think. So you can play him as your RB2 for sure, um, but I don't think you have to get him in the lineup. Yeah, I feel similarly. I have him at RB25, which is kind of hedging a little bit on the health, but 
I just wonder against Houston, um, are they going to run them 25 times if they can get a lead? I know Houston just beat the Chargers, but um, if that game script doesn't go well, are they going to give them 25 carries in a blowout? I'm not sure about that. So that's kind of my concern with Mitchell. Jeff Wilson Jr.'s looked pretty decent lately. Um, they could kind of ease him back in here if they can get a lead early. So uh, I do think his ceiling is huge against Houston. Um, it's just a matter of do we get that that kind of A-plus outcome here. So. Uh, that's where I'm at on Mitchell as well. Um, the Arizona backfield, uh, James Conner um, with a heel injury is a game day decision. He didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday, and the Cardinals already have a playoff spot clinched. So personally, I would be very surprised if Conner plays this week, which is uh, good news for Chase Edmonds managers. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Cardinals backfield? Yeah, I agree. Um, fire up Chase Edmonds as an RB1 if Connor's not out there. I, I can't believe I finally got vindicated on Chase Edmonds in week 16, just in time. He actually won a few matchups for me, so it it kind of worked out that I've been a Chase Edmonds truther all year. I'm, I'm glad where this has ended up. Hopefully it continues in week 17. Just got to keep the faith. It's a long season, so... Uh, the, the most encouraging part was the receiving work for sure. I mean, I, that kind of snuck up on me. I didn't even notice that he did that last week, but eight catches on nine targets for 71 yards. I mean, that is incredible. So uh, even half of that will work going forward in the passing game. And with no Connor, uh, yeah, Edmonds is a borderline must start. I think I've got him about RB 15 and that's, that's right after some really good running backs like Zeke and uh, you know, Sony Michelle, some of these locked in volume guys. So feeling really good about chase Edmonds. I'm sure you've got him a little bit higher, but um, yeah, start chase Edmonds. If you have him. Um, if, if Connor somehow came back, are you still rolling Edmonds out there regardless? I, I can't imagine Connor goes back to his, his full role once he gets back out there. Yeah, if Connor's back, I think Edmonds is more of an RB2. I think he's still going to keep that receiving role, which is what we really care about, but just has the potential to get vultured at the goal line, which is the story we've seen most of the year. Um, even if Connor plays as a game time decision and hasn't practiced all week, and he didn't practice all week before, I would be very hesitant to use him. I So I think Connor probably shouldn't be in your lineup regardless this week. I would agree with that. We saw Kingsbury kind of lead us on for weeks with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins too. So yeah, I, I would assume Connor is not playing this week. Uh, let's go to Detroit. Um, DeAndre Swift is expected to return this week from a shoulder injury. Uh, I, I think he's he's definitely in the startable range for sure. It's a matter of, are we getting him back up to the rankings we had him at before the injury? So how much do you trust Swift on a team that isn't playing for the playoffs to come back and get that workhorse role? I apparently trust him a lot because I have him at RB12. I'm going to assume that's pretty high above expert consensus. Uh, the matchup against Seattle is really nice. They've given up some big performances to running backs. And there really just is nobody else aside from Amon Ross St. Brown to take any targets on the Lions at this point, which we're going to talk about later. Um, but yeah, I think if he's playing, then you just play him and bank on the targets he got some limited practices in last week it's not like he's coming up off the couch and having conditioning issues this week so i i think you're good to play him yeah i have an rb20 um expert consensus hasn't quite uh calibrated yet from people having him ranked out for an injury so we'll, we'll wait and see on that i'm probably too low at 20 i'd say i move him up above gibson now at the very least if not higher I guess my concern is just like we said, uh, or like I said, the season's pretty much over for the Lions, even though they are playing hard. Um, they've kind of found like, you know, Craig Reynolds has been playing really well for them. Like even last week, he was splitting work with 
uh, Jamal Williams. And I thought he looked pretty good in the passing game. And it's not that Craig Reynolds is going to take Swift's job, but I don't know if they're easing him back in and they've got Reynolds and Jamal Williams. That, that gives me a little pause, but I think probably by Sunday, I'll have him up as high as maybe RB 18, RB 16 range. So I, I still feel good about Swift. He's a pass catcher. So we just get him out there for a handful, handful of receptions and we'll just be fine. Um, Seattle's given up the second most PPR points to running backs. So I agree with you. It's a good spot. I'm not quite as high on you, but he's definitely a starter this week. So uh, let's get to Kansas City here. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did not practice on Thursday, unlikely to play with a shoulder injury. I'm just kind of assuming he's out for now. Um, how high are you ranking Daryl Williams? Because I may have gone overboard here with Daryl Williams, and I, I need you to maybe talk me down a few spots on him. I think I might have also gone overboard. I don't know where you have him, but he's my RB10. Uh, th- this game is just so, so interesting to me. Like I, I want to play as many players as I can in this Kansas City-Cincinnati game. It's huge uh, over-under. Like there, there's just so much opportunity for fantasy scoring here. And Williams has performed when CEH has been out. I'm not worried about Derek Gore. Uh, that's he's like the biggest meme player at this point. It feel, feels like everybody wants to make sure you know that they know who Derek Gore is and that he is a running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, even if he's not related to Frank Gore. So I fade the Frank or not the Frank Gore, fade the Derek Gore noise. And just play Daryl Williams. Don't worry about it. All right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got him RB11. So uh, the Bengals linebackers are banged up. They may be getting Logan Wilson back, but uh, Pratt was put on uh, COVID IR, I believe. I don't think he's come off yet. He's been playing really well at linebacker. The linebackers are where you can exploit the Bengals. Their secondary is pretty decent, but uh, I think this is going to be a big Travis Kelsey game and a big running back. Um, Whether it's running or catching passes out of the backfield, uh, but Daryl Williams, we saw that passing game work uh, previously when CEH was hurt. Um, he had a nine-catch game, a six-catch game. Like, he looked pretty good in the passing game. We knew They're going to trust him more than Gore as a pass catcher, as a pass blocker. So I just think we're going to see a lot of Daryl Williams here. Um, I, I, I could see five, six catches out of him and a touchdown, and uh, that gets you pretty, pretty high up towards RB1 territory. So, um, yeah, I'm right with you. Let's play Daryl Williams this week, not overthink it too much. Um, are there any like shocking names you have him ranked above this week? Cause I I've got him above Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if that's shocking anymore. Um, but uh, yes, I would rather play Daryl Williams than Ezekiel Elliott. I have him above Zeke too. Uh, I've got him above Edmonds and Swift who I'm both really high on. I have him above Ronald Jones. I'm all, I always find a way to be the low person on Ronald Jones though. So that shouldn't be that surprising. Yeah, not to take too big of a detour on Jones, but I, I've got him at RB7 against the Jets, and I hate it. You even look at last week against Carolina, 20 carries, just 65 yards. He gets a touchdown, but two catches for 16. I, I worry a little bit about Jones if he's not a pass catcher. He doesn't score a touchdown. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the Bucks against the Jets, so I don't know. It's it's hard to not rank Jones too high, but He's certainly one that uh, I don't have him on any teams, but if I was rolling him out there in a, a championship, I would certainly think it was a trap. Like this was just a, a setup for three years to get me to play him in this championship game. Well, hey, according to Bruce Arians this week, Keyshawn Vaughn looks like an RB1. So it, it take that for what you will, but I don't know. Maybe it's Keyshawn Vaughn takeover game at this point. He had a nice run last week. 
I, I mean, he played 36% of the snaps. Jones played 52. So I don't know. I, I think we're going to see a lot of Jones. I think you probably can get a touchdown out of him. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk myself and out of it and drop him a few spots by Sunday. But I, I've got him RB7 for now. I just think that the bet for a touchdown is just way too high. So, um, all right, let's move on to Cleveland. I don't think we should really expect Kareem Hunt to play. It doesn't seem like, but... Um, he's off of COVID IR. He's still not practicing with his ankle injury. Keep an eye on that. Um, it's just Nick Chubb here, right? We're not going any further down this offense than, than starting Chubb. Yeah, li- literally just start Chubb. Don't <laughs> even consider the rounds other than that anywhere, please. Yeah, and I'm always a little low on Chubb, and I've got him RB4 this week. So uh, he's, he's in a great spot this week. Pittsburgh's run defense is not what it used to be. So um, for the Rams, uh, Daryl Henderson is on IR, I believe an MCL injury. It's pretty much all Sony Michelle now. I know Cam Akers is uh, potentially coming back, might see some work this week. That's awesome. It'll be nice to see him before we have to make big decisions on him in drafts next year. Um, but we're not really taking Akers seriously from a workload perspective right now, right? It's just all Sony Michelle. Yeah, not at all. Sony Michelle's a low end RB one, and Acres is unlikely to be a real factor. I will say with this game, it scares me a little bit that I think the Rams are just gonna want to throw the entire game, uh, like we've seen all these other teams do against the Ravens lately, with what their secondary looks like right now. Um, but just with the implied total and how high scoring it's probably going to be and how well Michelle has been running lately. I think you've got to roll him out there and not worry about it too much. I agree, but that was why I ranked someone like Daryl Williams ahead of him was the matchup. Uh, the Yeah, Baltimore is just a pass funnel right now. The run defense is still like bottom 10 and fantasy points allowed. So uh, it's not that he can't get anything done. I think they're going to put up a lot of points, but it may be a pass heavy game. So RB12 for Sony Michelle, happy to start him, but it's not, uh, for as much as the Ravens defense is struggling, it's not necessarily their their run defense. So, um, and then finally, Saquon Barkley, um, ankle limited Thursday. No indication that this is anything serious. Um, do we think, though, at this point, Barkley is better left on your bench if you can help it? I mean, is this, this injury just a, a red flag here, or is it just like a maintenance day? I think it's probably a maintenance day, but just talking about Barkley, I agree with you that I think it might be time to leave him on your bench. If you have any other like realistic options, uh, I have guys like Michael Carter, uh, Boston Scott, AJ Dillon ranked above him. Uh, the, the one I was really kind of waffling was Daria Goomba Wale. Would I play him over Saquon Barkley? I, it just has not been good. I mean, and Devonte Booker has realistically been outplaying him the last few weeks. Uh, last week, Booker actually had four targets and caught all four of them to Barkley's just one. Obviously he missed a few series there, um, but it it just is really unfortunate with Saquon and how the injuries have kind of held him back this year. So what are your thoughts or am I being crazy here? Is it like it's Saquon, you got to start him. What, where are you? No, I mean, I've got him at RB23, uh, one spot ahead of Michael Carter. If Michael Carter wasn't playing Tampa Bay, I would flip-flop those pretty easily. Um, I think Elijah Mitchell could shoot up above Barkley. I'm not sure if I'm there with like a Gumbawale, um, A.J. Dillon, Boston Scott necessarily, but yeah, it does not feel good playing Saquon Barkley right now, that's for sure. I mean, it's really the, it's the passing game work. It's the, the quarterbacks are so bad. 
Um, we, we, I don't think we ever really expected him to be ripping off 100-yard games on this team late in the season. We, we, we figured they were not going to be a strong team. But uh, when you're getting one catch for negative four yards or even four catches for 24 yards, it's, there's just not a lot of exciting plays there anymore. So I, I hope he can uh, get an offseason, get some kind of uh, training in this offseason, get back to his old self. But I, I think just as much of it is on that offensive line and quarterback situation. So maybe there's some hope if they can get this franchise turned around. So, yeah, he's, he's a back-end RB2 for me. And um, I bet most fantasy championship teams have two or three better options than Barkley at this point. Yeah, agreed. If you can get him out of your lineup, do it. He's in the flex range for me. I've got him RB28. Um, I agree that I'm going to be drafting a lot of him next year, more than likely. I, I think the indicators for him are still going to be really good. I think he's only going to be 25 at the start of next season. Like there, There's easily possibility that he's once again headlining the position a year from now. Yeah, it's going to be... An interesting year for running backs because we had a bunch of young running backs get wiped out with awful injuries this year, like serious long-term injuries. And uh, all of our kind of long-term RB1s are getting up in that, you know, Todd Gurley age range that starts getting a little scary, like a whopping 26 years old. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason to sort through all this. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, actually. So. All right, that is most of the running back injury news. Um, let's just get to a quick players. We're going to check in and see what our confidence levels are on these guys. Um, let's start out with Cordell Patterson for the Falcons. Uh, it, it's been a pretty steep drop-off over the last uh, half of the season or so. Um, is Patterson still a starter at running back for you at this point in the season? He's my RB27, so right in the Saquon Barkley range. He's possibly a flex if you're thin at the position. Um, but he just hasn't been seeing the passing game work. And that's what really made him interesting throughout most of the year. He's basically in the Mike Davis role now, which is, is not really what we wanted that like we, we wanted him to get more snaps and more playing time, but then they just had him do what Mike Davis was doing and that we don't want that at all. So yeah, he he's confidence level, like a four out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'm real low on him. Uh, probably, yeah, three or four. I've got him ranked right where you do, RB27 range. Um, I watched that whole Lions-Falcons uh, game last week. They can't run the ball. The Falcons can't. So we need the passing game work, and it's just completely dried up. I mean, early in the season, Patterson was seven targets, seven targets, six targets, nine targets. And recently, I mean, two straight games with two targets, it's just not going to get it done. He's getting by on touchdowns. He's got a nice red zone roll, but – he actually played fewer snaps than Davis last week. He, uh, Patterson played 54. Davis played 56. So uh, I think maybe the only glimmer of hope this week would be Buffalo gets up big on them. They're throwing the ball all over the place, and they just have to get him the ball because of the pass rush or whatever. But we just haven't really seen that. I mean, he hasn't caught more than three passes since week nine. So it's it's just it's kind of touchdown or bust with Patterson at this point. And there's a good shot he scores a touchdown, but um, there are better options out there for sure. So, yep, later uh, later stages of the RB2 range, uh, flex range, that, that's where I'm at on Patterson as well. So, I, sadly, I think he's probably headed the Mike Davis path for drafts next year where he gets overdrafted and he faded down the stretch and uh, he's going to be a big disappointment. Uh, you got any interest in him next year? Not at all. Yeah, he, I agree. He's is very much in the Mike Davis mold. Um, I, I used to call this the Alex Collins award <laughs> for 
the waiver wire hero running back that is inexplicably going in like the fourth or fifth round the next year and is just the easiest fate of all time. So yeah, maybe he's going to be that and he'll give us an edge on everybody else in drafts next season. Yeah. Or maybe the Falcons just draft a running back and spare us the, the <laughs> but um, yeah, I will not be drafting Patterson for sure. So, okay. Next up confidence levels, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon for the Packers. Uh, like you mentioned up top, this is projected last I saw to be like five degrees on Sunday night in Green Bay. Uh, so it's going to be cold. Uh, it's going to be probably a run heavy game plan. I don't know. I mean, Rogers has played in these games for sure, but uh, he has an older quarterback at this point. So what's your confidence level on this Green Bay backfield? It's probably not been uh, what we thought it was going to be going into the season overall. I'm actually going to go the opposite direction with this. I think that the cold weather forecast bodes well for the running game. And I agree. They haven't done what we've wanted to, what we've wanted them to most of the season, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Packers run the ball like 30 times they're projected to win by almost a touchdown. I think they'd be pretty happy to just kind of run the ball and watch Kirk cousins be unable to really make any plays when it, feels like negative 12 degrees with the wind chill. So I, that's my guess for how this game is going to go. Um, and we'll talk about this too, but I'm, I'd be a little scared to play some of the pass catchers in this game as well. Um, so with either Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon, I I'd say my confidence levels at about a six for both of them. Uh, I have Jones a little higher, um, but they're, they're both in the RB two range. Okay, I guess I have a much higher split. It's probably too high of a split, um, but I've got Aaron Jones all the way up at RB10. I mean, it's just, I don't know. He's, I do agree they're going to run more. Uh, he's seen like 55 and 62% of the snaps the last two weeks. I know the box score doesn't always look great, but he is playing more than A.J. Dillon. Uh, but regardless, yeah, I, I think they're going to see a lot of work. Minnesota's like 13th in PPR points to running backs, so they're, they're definitely not a shutdown unit or anything. Uh, so I agree, I Dylan's been a little frustrating just because I thought we would get um, maybe some, I don't know, some more games where he's wearing down the clock and just ripping off big gains, maybe a few more touchdowns. He's generally in like that RB 30 to 25 range. It feels like most weeks. So I'd be a little hesitant to play Dylan. I think you're a little higher than me on him. Um, Jones. It, I think the thing with Jones is we just know those huge games are around the corner at any point. So I would not want to leave him on my bench in this game uh, in case he goes off against Minnesota. But do you have any reason in particular why you think the gap's a little more narrow on these two? Yeah, I just think that the Packers are likely to just kind of take control of this game. I, they've kind of they've been winning, but they've been in close games through this winning streak. Uh, even against Cleveland, they only won by two points, and it was within one score for most of the game. Uh, so I think what they want to do in their ideal scenario is have Jones play in the beginning. And once they are up by a score or two, then have Dylan kind of salt the game away, but they just haven't been in a position to do that so far. And with the weather forecast, I think there's a good chance that that will be the case this week. So that that's why I think the split goes maybe closer to 50, 50 this week. Okay. Let's get a couple of quick hitters on confidence level here. Uh, Devin Singletary, shockingly, seems to be the lead back in Buffalo, unquestioned. How did that happen? Uh, what's your confidence in uh, Devin Singletary? 
yeah, he's like a seven. Play him against the Falcons for sure. I, I mean, he's getting red zone opportunities now. There's not a lot not to like with Singletary. He's involved in the passing game. Um, I, I've watched way too much Josh Allen in the last month, and what he's been able to do with this offense is frankly ridiculous. So I think he's set up really well to possibly bring a nice boom for your fantasy championship. Yep, I agree completely. RB21 for me, kind of right after a really strong tier two, and he gets the Falcons at home. So uh, all good things there. So I'm uh, feeling good about Devin Singletary. What about Rex Burkhead? Any interest in getting Rex Burkhead into a championship lineup? Only if David Johnson is out again. I don't think we've had any news yet on his status. He went onto the COVID list, I think the day before their game over the weekend. Um, so if he's back, then no. You're, then no, you're not playing any Texans running back. But if it's going to be Burkhead getting all the volume, then I think, again, that he's kind of in that like Agumba Wale, Barkley, Cordero, Patterson range. Like, sorry, that that's where the flex plays are at at the position at this mm-hmm. point in the season. It it's really it feels very postmodern, like looking at this list of names that I have ranked RB 25 through 32. But yeah. he's in that mix. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. Uh, I, I talked about this game a lot on the What We Saw podcast, but uh, Royce Freeman was being used a decent amount. He had 35% of the snaps. Burkhead, 62. I'm not super high on Burkhead. He's more like RB35 for me, but I do think if you were a zero RB roster where it went south, you could play him. I just don't love the matchup against San Francisco in San Francisco, but Houston's been hanging in there. They're playing with some fight, and Burkhead wasn't explosive last week, but he was certainly uh, getting yardage and falling forward. And, you know, he was a confident running back. So um, you could do worse for sure. He's kind of point of no return after him in my rankings. So I, I do think you can play him with some confidence. So uh, let's get, uh, we already talked to Dari Agumbawale, but just confidence level, where are you at with him? Five out of 10, completely neutral. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go three. I just, I don't see it. I, Maybe he gets you 10, 12 points. I just would be surprised if uh, we're kicking ourselves for not playing a Gumbawale against the Patriots. If it was, if they were playing the Jets or something, uh, then sign me up. But it's the matchup for me. So, all right. I think that's a pretty good breakdown of the running back position. A lot to get through this week, but hopefully that cleared a few things up. Um, let's get to receivers. Um, here are some receivers that did not practice. Um, we have both Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds on the COVID list for the Lions. Um, Josh Reynolds has been pretty involved in that passing game. So uh, what does this mean for you? Not only just with those receivers on COVID list, but also uh, Jared Goff is still did not practice on Thursday. Um, we may be looking at another week of Tim Boyle. So what do you think about this Lions passing game? Yeah, so I've kind of been the pessimistic one on Amonra St. Brown these last couple of weeks, especially with Goff having not played last week. But I've been proven wrong. I, I have Amonra St. Brown at wide receiver 22 this week. I think I need to boost him up even more, given this news that he's basically going to be the only one in that passing game. Even if Swift comes back, there's still plenty of targets for him to earn. Uh, the Seahawks give up a lot of receptions to slot receivers this year. So I think it's a great spot for both him and Swift, really. Like they're, they're act- kind of similar plays. I would almost expect similar fantasy output from both of them. Yeah, um, I've got, I'm on Ross St. Brown at wide receiver 18. Uh, again, I watched a lot of the lines last week. He's not going to get confused with uh, Jamar Chase or even Jalen Waddle. 
Um, but he's a really good slot receiver and I, I, the ball's going to find him. They don't really have anyone else to throw to with Hawkinson out um, and Swift may be a little limited. We'll see. But yeah, I, I think the volume is there for St. Brown for sure. Um, and below them, I mean, that just wipes out the receiving core. Reynolds was playing 79% of the snaps. Uh, Raymond 68 last week. So there's not much left after St. Brown. So he's going to get a lot of work. And uh, he, he juked a couple defenders, made him fall down last week on his route running. So I, I do think he's a good player. So um, AJ Brown did not practice. Um, hopefully it's a rest day. If AJ Brown doesn't play this week, I think I'm just done uh, because uh, both Julio Jones and Nick Westbrook Ekine are both on the COVID list. And with no Derrick Henry on this team, uh, I think AJ Brown had about a 45% target share last week. It, it could be like a 75% target share this week. So I hope AJ Brown's out there. I'm not even sure uh, if you have much to add to this one. Just uh, get well soon, AJ. Yeah, not much to add. You're, you're talking almost talking me into watching the Titans this week. So <laughs> I I really hope that 75% target share AJ Brown is what we see. Yeah, I, I love AJ Brown. He's one of the more fun receivers to watch in the league. So um, another receiver we need this week, Antonio Brown, did not practice Thursday with an ankle injury. He was limited Wednesday. I would expect they find a way to get him out there. We're not even sure if Mike Evans is going to be back. I, I, I'm not really sure what his status is, but we're already without Godwin. Uh, any thoughts on this Bucks passing game with or without Brown? Yeah, if Brown doesn't play, then I'm not even sure that I want to be playing Tom Brady against the Jets, as crazy as that sounds. I think at that point, they would just run the ball with Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn like 40 times. Like, I, I don't know. It's not like they're going to need to like be urgently pushing it down the field to beat the Jets. So if if these receivers aren't playing and it just seems like kind of a we're going to all take a week off type of game for the offense then i honestly be a little worried like tampa bay is still after seeding for sure so not not saying that the whole offense is going to be benched or anything crazy like that but i you really hope to see at least brown or evans out there yeah, and I got some questions in the, the Reddit sit start thread today about like, you know, are any of these other receivers interesting in Tampa Bay other than the big three? And I don't think they are. I mean, because we just can't predict who they're going to play. I mean, Cyril Grayson played 79% of the snaps last week. Tyler Johnson, we kind of thought was the the next man up, uh, played 53 and didn't get a target, 53% of the snaps and didn't get a target. So I just don't think we can project at all who is going to get this receiving work other than Gronk. Um, and they're getting Brashad Perriman back too from the COVID list. So I don't think you can trust any of these players in a, a fantasy championship other than, other than Brown Evans, if he was able to play and Gronk, that's about it. Yeah. I think I'm going to need to log on to eBay and sell my Tyler Johnson rookie <laughs> autograph patch card. Um, because from the opportunities he's had through some of the games this year, um, just hasn't taken advantage of him. And it's unfortunate. I liked him as a prospect, but at this point, I it might be time to face the music. Yeah. He had some kind of big catches last year down the stretch from what I remember. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been more involved, but they got a bunch of young receivers there. So we'll see what happens down the line. Um, Elijah Moore for the Jets is uh, 50-50 at best to play this week. Uh, quad injury. He's off the COVID list, I believe, um, but still has that quad injury. Uh, Jameson Crowder with a calf did not practice Wednesday and Thursday after missing last week. So the Jets receiving core is basically like Braxton Berrios and Keelan Cole at this point. Um, any interest in anyone there? I think we're probably playing more if he plays, but are you even scared off of more at this point? 
I'm a little scared to play Elijah Moore, honestly. Um, I don't think I ranked him this week um, because sounds like he's worse than a 50-50. If I had to guess right now, I would guess he probably doesn't play. The the Jets don't have a whole lot to play for right now. I really thought he was just going to get shut down for the season when he went on IR. I'm surprised that he was even um, activated or that the return window began or whatever it's called. Um, So... Yeah, I wouldn't be counting on playing more this weekend. I have him on one roster. I'll probably stare at him all day on Saturday and ultimately not play him. Could you talk yourself into Braxton Berrios? I mean, he's kind of a slot type option that could soak up some volume. Um, do you have any interest there? Like, I think I've got him ranked right now. Well, wide receiver 47, so it's not that far away from being a flex play. Um he returned, I think he returned a kick last week for a touchdown, um, which obviously you can't count on that, but he did have five receptions, 37 yards, like maybe a little bit of volume here for Barrios. Yeah, Barrios has a few games this year that with inexplicable volume. I think week one, he had like nine targets or something. I I think there are worse flex plays or desperation flex plays, excuse me, than Braxton Barrios. I also have him at like wide receiver 45. That's only if like Moore is out and Crowder's out and that this um, receiving core continues to be empty though. Yep. But they're playing the Bucks, so they won't be able to run the ball. So there's there's a chance he's useful. Um, if you're desperate, go pick him up and see what happens. Uh, for the Saints, Traquan Smith did not practice Wednesday with a chest injury. Not sure how severe that is. Uh, that could maybe make Marquez Callaway interesting. Uh, I, there's probably nothing there this late in the season, right? Uh, Taysom Hill to Marquez Callaway. That's probably not getting it done in the championship. Yeah, I, I have Callaway right next to Barrios in my rankings, yep. if that if that gives you an idea. <laughs> yep, I've got him 49. So uh, Carolina's not the easiest defense in the world either. So, all right. Um, Denver, Tim Patrick is on COVID reserve as of Wednesday. I believe he just went on there. Uh, that kind of maybe makes, uh, you know, some of these receivers in Denver a little more interesting. Is it enough to put them on the starting radar for you, or is it just Drew Locke, stay away? Yeah, not with Drew Locke. Sorry, but I, I still can't do it. There, There's no way that I'm talking myself into Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton this week. Yeah, I've got Judy at wide receiver 43. I, I would actually rather play Jalen Guyton over him at this point, I think. I kind of like his deep role with uh, Justin Herbert. So that's where I'm at with Judy, which I hate because uh, I think Judy's a really good player. But maybe next year. Um, All right, for the Giants, uh, as always, they're all injured. Kadarius Toney didn't practice Thursday. It's a new shoulder injury um, after returning last week. So I probably would not count on him. Uh, I guess it's pretty much just Kenny Galladay at this point. And I believe I saw he has not scored a touchdown this year. So not much going on in New York. Uh, for Baltimore, Marquise Brown wasn't spotted at practice Thursday. No idea how serious that is, but keep an eye on that. Maybe you could uptick uh, Rashad Bateman, but um, we, we kind of need to see if the quarterback is there anyway. Um, in New England, Nelson Aguilar did not practice Thursday with a concussion. And um, and then you've probably heard by now, but Adam Thielen is out for the season. Uh, that's going to be an uptick for KJ Osborne, who we'll get to in just a moment. But any of those last bits there that you're interested in watching uh, for starts or sits going forward? Yeah, I think Bateman becomes interesting if Brown misses. Um, we we don't really know anything about his injury yet. It, it's possible that it's COVID and that that hasn't come out yet. That fe- feels like where my brain just always goes yeah. to if there's a, if someone's mysteriously missing practice. Um, so it, I mean, if it's really regardless of who the quarterback is, I think it's most likely to be Tyler Huntley this week. Um, but we've seen Bateman produce with Huntley, so I 
think he's a flex play if Brown is out and maybe even if he's in because he had a nice touchdown last week. That was good to see. I, I think Bateman's going to be really good, especially next year. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, all these quarterbacks have looked pretty good. Even Josh Johnson played pretty decent last week against the Bengals. So, And they can't run the ball. Baltimore's not running the ball well. So there's going to be some passing volume. They're still in the playoff hunt, so they're not going to just roll over. Uh, so, yeah, Bateman may be a good look if uh, Brown is not out there. So keep an eye on that. All right, um, just a couple um, players that returned to practice. Like we mentioned earlier, Mike Evans, he's back at practice from COVID. Also a hamstring injury. Um, he was out there running routes, but it, they did say that he was very easily fatigued. So um, he he joins Prashad Bateman back or Prashad Perriman back from the uh, COVID IR list. But we'll see how that works out for Evans and Perriman. Maybe Evans needs another week, but he's got such a good touchdown role. We're probably playing him if he's out there. Um, for the Chargers, they get Mike Williams back from the COVID list, as well as Jalen Guyton. Uh, that is going to be huge. They looked very limited with only Keenan Allen out there to catch passes last week. And then Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley are activated off the COVID list as well. Uh, that puts the Bills back pretty much at full strength in the passing game. So any comments on any of these uh, high volume, you know, high octane passing games that are getting back up to speed? I mean, yeah, as I said, it's pretty important, I'd say, for Mike Evans to be out there if Antonio Brown isn't for the Bucs. Those are the only guys you're interested in. Uh, for the Chargers, I don't know that I would be trusting either either Mike Williams or Jalen Guyton in my championship. We've had such a roller coaster with Mike Williams this year that coming off of COVID, I don't think he's somebody I'm into. And with the Bills, Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley, I mean, Isaiah McKenzie played really well last week, but maybe he's just going to go away now. It's suddenly become pretty crowded. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, I believe, got downgraded to did not practice uh, today. So we'll see what happens there. That's something to monitor. Um, but realistically, I think Stefan Diggs is the only bill that I really want in my lineups for receivers. I think I would disagree a little bit with Mike Williams. I know Denver's not a great matchup, but I mean, he's getting six or more targets pretty much every week recently. Uh, Herbert can make plays. I know the COVID situation is tough. Some players do take some time to recover. So that's kind of unknowable at this point. But, you know, you get to the point of the receiver rankings where we're like trying to decide about Brandon Ayuk or Devontae Parker or Terry McLaurin. Like, I don't I don't think Mike Williams is any worse than any of them. And that's pretty squarely in the the wide receiver three range. So I think you can play Williams, a tough matchup against Denver, but Herbert's talented enough to get him through it. Um, last time against Denver, Williams, eight targets, only four receptions, 39 yards. So yes, there is a, a low floor there, eight PPR points, but I, I do think most weeks, eight targets for Mike Williams, you'd be pretty happy with their chances. So uh, that, that's the only pushback there, but it, it is a little tricky coming off the COVID list for sure. Yeah, I guess I agree when you put it like that. Williams does probably slot in pretty nicely between like Parker and McLaurin. So that's like wide receiver 32 range for me. So I I guess I'm comfortable with him there, but hopefully you have better options if you're in the championship game. Yeah, it feels like we're missing like a whole tier of receivers we can trust. I'm not sure where they went, but <laughs> uh, it, it dries up pretty quick. So, all right, uh, let's get to... Um, a couple of players I kind of mentioned up top that could still be hurting from their COVID issues. Um, Allen Robinson and Tyreek Hill are both on record having uh, been significantly slowed after having COVID. Uh, Allen Robinson said he lost 10 pounds. Tyreek Hill said he's exhausted in practice right now. Uh, do you think this is something to worry about? Like we just mentioned for Mike Williams or Elijah Moore or Travis Kelsey, whoever's out there. Are you like actually changing your rankings because of COVID, uh, you know, past COVID situation if they're out there and playing? 
Yeah, if it's not like an elite player, like somebody in Travis Kelsey's range, then I am sliding them down a bit, like within tiers. I I think it I think it's real. Like like Amari Cooper is another example that comes to mind where he got COVID and came back and re- really for the next like three or four weeks he just wasn't playing a full complement of snaps, like wasn't getting or commanding as many targets. He had a nice game last week, but that that's almost a full month off of COVID. So I, I think it is something that should be considered. And again, it's, it's hard to fully know like who has symptoms and who doesn't like this stuff doesn't always come out. Like there have been, there have been multiple points in this season where it's the thought of trying to figure out by myself, whether a player has symptoms or is vaccinated has crossed my mind. Like as if I'm going to be adding them on Twitter and see and being like, Hey, how are you feeling today? Like you, (laughs) you're going to be good for this weekend, but yeah, I, it's tough. I, I think it is something you have to consider. Yeah. Maybe I check their Instagram, see if they've been out in public or not. Uh, Definitely some detective work going on here. So, Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, just like I'm sure everyone else in, in in our own lives, we know some people who've had it and been just fine and some people who've been wiped out pretty good from it. So you definitely kind of have to take it case by case here for sure, but it's definitely worth keeping in mind. So, um, all right, let's get to the most added receivers. There's really only one this week. The rest were just kind of players that maybe got dropped by teams who weren't in the race anymore and picked up. Uh, it's KJ Osborne. We, we've touched on this briefly. We're expecting cold weather in this Vikings and Packers game. But with no Adam Thielen, he slots in right behind Justin Jefferson, um, expected to be playing from behind against the Packers. Uh, what is your kind of thoughts on K.J. Osborne this week? Do you slot him into lineups or uh, are you maybe just better off just cutting him? Yeah, he's in the flex range for me. He's my wide receiver 27, which might be a little high. I don't think the floor is good because I think there's a big chance that there's just not a lot of passing production in this game. And any that there is just goes to Justin Jefferson and Devonte Adams. Like I think Osborne is someone that could be like a fantasy league winner in just a very different game environment. Like I, I think he has that in him, but I'm not convinced that it's this week. I don't think all the stars are aligning. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. I got him wide receiver 33, so definitely playable. Uh, he's got he's got three touchdowns in the last four weeks, and that's really a big part of his fantasy scoring. Even like that Pittsburgh game week 14, I'm pretty sure that was Pittsburgh where he caught the long touchdown, really salvaged his day. Uh, obviously, it still counts in the end, but it does feel like it's kind of a, a tightrope here with K.J. Osborne. It, it could it could be like that Chicago game, three catches for 21 yards. I know Thielen was there for that, but – I wouldn't be surprised to see a low week, but I do. There's a good touchdown potential. He could make a big play, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look for other options. Like I've got Tyler Boyd ahead of him, for example. I know Boyd's been down throughout the year, but he's kind of caught fire recently. I'd rather just go with the better offense and the better weather. So that's kind of where I'm at on Osborne. He's, he's decent flex play, but probably not going out of my way to start him. Yeah, I agree completely. Like, why would you really, I do have Boyd below Osborne, but when you put it like that, I, think they're almost similar plays like Osborne probably has a better chance to have a higher target share, but it's just such a better game environment for Tyler Boyd. Like the, the odds of him being the person to score one of the 50 million touchdowns (laughs) that I think will be scored in that game are pretty good. So yeah, I, I would flip them in my ranks given what you just laid out. 
Well, I mean, I, you know, Osborne does have fewer, uh, you know, players in his way to to target volume. So that that's the upside for him. But yeah, I agree with what you said. If this was like, you know, in, uh, you know, Dallas or something in the dome, like it, it'd feel a lot different than at Green Bay. So who knows? We'll have to keep an eye out on the rest of these games and see if there are any other weather situations popping up. But it's mainly that Green Bay one uh, as of right now. So um, let's do a couple of quick hitters at receiver here, just checking our confidence levels on a couple of them. Uh, sure looks like from our rankings, we are both all in on Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, he's somehow an 8 out of 10 confidence for me this week. I don't really know how we got to this place, but I mean, he produced last week, even with Stafford having a dreadful game. Don't get me started on Matt Stafford. Um, <laughs> but the this Raven secondary, we've said it a couple times now, is just one of the biggest pass funnels in the league at this point. I, I don't see how Beckham doesn't at least put up wide receiver two numbers this week with potential for a lot more. Yep. I got him wide receiver 17. Some of it's just the players behind him that are struggling like DK Metcalf or DJ Moore, but uh, Beckham, you know, he kind of salvaged his day with a touchdown last week, but he had eight targets. I think you roll him out there. He obviously has not lost all of his talent, even if he's not an elite wide receiver one. So get Beckham in your lineup. Good matchup. Uh, I, I think we'll see a lot of scoring from the Rams in the passing game. So uh, that's all you can hope for at this point of the year. Um, all right, confidence level. Brandon Ayuk, it looks like maybe Elijah Mitchell's coming back. So let's just assume he's back for now because we kind of know what Ayuk is without Mitchell in the lineup. Um, that would theoretically put Debo Samuel more at wide receiver. So what are your thoughts on Ayuk if uh, that situation plays out? I have Ayuk very low this week. I have him at wide receiver 40. Uh, Elijah Mitchell coming back and pushing Debo back into the receiving role is definitely one concern. The other concern is Trey Lance though. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think that the game plan with the Trey Lance offense is going to involve a whole lot of throwing with someone like Debo. I'm not as concerned because he's always going to get schemed like those gadgety touches and he's going to make it happen after the catch. Uh, but with Ayuk, I mean, if there's even if there's four or five targets available for him, like that's just a really thin margin of error. I, Kittle's healthy now, where Ayuk's a lot of his best games were with Kittle out. So I I just am not feeling it with him, even with the implied total. Like I think the most likely way this game goes is San Fran is just running the ball, kind of regardless of how close the score is. Yeah, I have him wide receiver 28, and I don't think I factored in Lance enough. I was factoring in Debo, more receiver. I mean, we even saw it last week with Debo. He had a 31% target share. But I, I don't think I quite thought through Lance, the the less uh, predictable passing game work. So um, I was just kind of looking at Houston, thinking they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. Ike's got a shot. Uh, but I probably should drop him a few spots. I don't know. I guess he's below KJ Osborne for you. Is he below, like, Van Jefferson, Michael Gallup, uh, Mooney types, Chase Claypool. Are you moving him below all those players? Uh, yeah, he's below all those players you just listed. Okay. So maybe in like the Jarvis Landry, Jacoby Myers type range. Is that what you're looking at? You'd, uh, you'd even I, play yeah. them over him, wouldn't you? I, ha- I have him one spot below Jacoby Myers and like four spots below Jarvis Landry. I have him. Okay. Ab- who do I have him above? Let's see. I have yeah. him above Marquez Calloway. Okay. Um, I have him above Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Because uh, we, we can't <laughs> trust that in the, in the freezing cold. So that that's about where I have him. Okay. I think I'm going to end up higher than that, but I think he probably, I shift him down five or so spots and 
33, 34, 35 range. I mean, cause even last week, I mean, Debo gets 31% of the targets. Ayuk had 14%. Uh, Jawan Jennings had 14%. So I'm not real sure that Ayuk is a big focal point, especially with Lance out there. Unless Lance just lights it up, we'll see. But that's a lot to trust in your championship weeks. So, okay, I think you talked me into it. I'm like at a a three with Ayuk now, so I'm not real confident. Um, Vikings and Packers receivers in general in a cold-weather game, what's your confidence level on them? If their name's not Justin Jefferson or Devontae Adams, it's like a two. Like, just... I can understand having to play Osborne. I don't think this is the week for MVS to have a boom game. Uh, yeah, I, I would just stay away. Don't don't play Alan Lazard in your championship. Like it, It's, it's going to be interesting because these target shares have really consolidated into one player on each side of the ball. So okay. what, whether they boom or kind of go down with the game script is going to be really interesting. Yep, I agree. You have to play Adams and Jefferson. No way around that, but the rest of them look for better options. All right, um, who are your favorite wide receiver threes with blow-up potential this week? Any of them that just stand out you think could uh, maybe pop off and win somebody a league here at the end? Yeah, so the name that kind of jumps out to me is Michael Gallup. Um, Very similarly to this Kansas City and Cincinnati game. I'm very interested in this Dallas Arizona game. I be- believe they have the highest implied to- or the highest over under on the slate. Um, we saw the Cowboys offense get get right as as if it was. I don't even that was like more <laughs> like get insanely over the top last week. Um, and I don't think the game script's going to look anything like that. And Gallup wasn't really needed, obviously, but. I mean, Amari Cooper had a good game. CeeDee Lamb got his in that game. I think that the pendulum could kind of shift to Gallup here against Arizona. I think they're probably going to be throwing the ball most of the game. It feels like a good spot for him. Yeah, um, I've got him wide receiver 35. I think the threat's always there for a blow-up week. So, yeah, I think I'm on board with that one. And his floor hasn't been that bad, you know. I mean, he's getting you close to 10 PPR points most weeks. So, I think I'm on board with you there. Um, one I like if you can stomach it and it's tough because he gave us a goose egg last week, but, uh, Devante Parker, I do think there's some upside against Tennessee. They've given up the second most uh, PPR points to receivers this year. Um, Parker gave us zero last week against the saints, but he saw a lot of Marshawn Lattimore, uh, and they frankly didn't need to throw the ball against the saints. So, um, that kind of game script, I think you can explain that away, but, uh, Parker was, I mean, he was like double digit points pretty much every week before that. So, um, he had scored between eight and 18 PPR points in each of his previous uh, eight games, I believe. So I don't know. Parker was pretty consistent there. Um, this is a game where both teams are fighting for the playoffs. Uh, Waddle's been great, but they do need other options. Um, and actually, Tennessee's been pretty good against tight ends. So I, I don't know if this is a, a Gasicki game. So I think Devontae Parker's got some uh, some upside. He's always a threat to score a touchdown. I, I, if you can stomach that goose egg from last week, I think Parker could be a decent play this week. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I see Parker and Gallup as pretty similar plays, actually. I have them ranked back-to-back, Parker at 32, Gallup at 33. Okay. Yeah, Titans-Dolphins could be a sneaky shootout this week. Um, the Dolphins just are likely going to have to throw, and Tennessee has given up a lot of points through the air. So it, it feels like the factors are coming together for Parker to lift anybody up that he didn't drown last week. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Tennessee is really good against the run, like you mentioned. So they're, they're going to have to throw it. So, yep. I think that is mine for the week. I, I kind of wish it could be Van Jefferson, but um, I don't know if I can trust him at this point, but it's a really nice matchup against Baltimore. So I wouldn't be surprised if he caught a long touchdown. So we'll see on that one. Um, all right, let's get on quickly to the other positions here. Uh, quarterback, let's start with some injury news. Lamar Jackson didn't practice Thursday with his ankle. He was really hobbling around Wednesday. I, it's not looking good for Jackson at this point. Um, are you trusting Huntley if he, he, he came off the COVID list? So are you going to trust Huntley against the Rams? That's an awfully tough matchup. It is a tough matchup, and that that's the only thing that really gives me pause. So I would probably rank him – right around like QB 14 or 15. I think he's in like that Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill kind of range where you're really just hoping for the rushing production and he's most likely going to provide it. And I mean, game script wise, they are going to have to throw. You might get a lot of attempts out of him even. So I think there are worse plays at QB this week. Um, I'd prefer Trey Lance though, just on game environment. Yeah, I think he probably slots in the top 16. I had Lamar at QB 14, and that's, you know, with me expecting him to be pretty limited. So, yep, yeah, I think I'm same range with Huntley. Um, Jared Goff didn't practice Thursday with a knee injury. Uh, we talked about him in the Amon Ross St. Brown section. You're not starting Goff or Tim Boyle either way. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he didn't seem to practice um, Thursday with his thumb injury, not headed in the right direction. So, um, let's get on to the confidence levels here at quarterback. Um, a lot of questions about Kyler Murray this week. He plays a fierce Dallas defense. Uh, since Miles isn't here, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit it. I, I think Dallas is my favorite defense to watch in the league. So uh, I don't want to give him the benefit of uh, gloating over that. But Dallas's defense is a ton of fun to watch. Um, and we had a lot of questions about Kyler Murray. So how confident are you in Kyler Murray against this Dallas defense? Before I get into Murray, I just want to agree with you. They are super <laughs> fun to watch. Uh, before kickoff on Monday, I was texting with a friend and uh, ca- kind of arguing about Trayvon Diggs and what, like how impressive of a season he was actually having. Um, and we, we were kind of going through all the QBs that he'd picked off this year to see if it was just like crappy QBs or legitimate QBs pretty good mix of both he's picked off guys like tom brady and justin herbert um but he literally like whatever it was like the first play of the game when when or the the first play the first defensive snap he took when he gets that pick i just i just text my friend i'm like that did not take long like what why were we having this conversation and then it just instantly yeah. added another one that was a super impressive play they had a cool camera view from kind of behind him and he was playing off of McLaurin like he knew exactly what was coming and just ran the route for him it was very impressive and then they got three or four pass rushers that can just blow you up so yeah um Miles uh hope you're not still listening Dallas defense is awesome <laughs> so. all right Kyler Murray um I've got him QB8 uh it's kind of at the end of the tier of elite quarterbacks um it's just because of his rushing ability what do you think about Murray this week yeah, I like him too. He's my QB 11, but I honestly could probably push him even higher. Like people might complain like he, oh, he didn't play great last week. He, he still had like 22 fantasy points. Like he, yeah. he just gets it done for fantasy. If if you have him, you're probably starting him. Yeah. And I had someone asking about him or Joe Burrow, which I know Burrow just lit it up, but I mean, Murray's got five, six, seven top 10 QB finishes this year. Um, super impressive number. Burrow is more like three, you know, it's just that rushing ability is just such a big difference maker. So, um, I'm going to be playing, uh, Kyler Murray when in doubt. So, um, 
sounds like we're both probably about seven or eight on Murray. Sounds pretty good. Um, Taysom Hill against Carolina. How are you feeling about Hill coming off the COVID list this week? Um, a little worse because he's someone where if he's physically limited at all, then that really does make a difference. Unlike a lot of these QBs, like he's going to put most of his fantasy value on the ground. And if he's super tired, like guys like Tyree kill are, then who knows what that's going to look like. Um, I don't think this is going to be a particularly high scoring game either. So I've got him at like QB 15. I say he's like a four out of 10 confidence this week. I think I'm more confident. Um, I know I know I am. I've got him at QB 11. Uh, it's just the rushing game work. I mean, he's 11, 11 carries in three straight games. I know he had a sub 10 point game against Tampa Bay, but that's an awfully good team. And that's not really the game script we're looking at with Taysom Hill. We don't want him in come from behind mode here. So I think against Carolina with Darnold on the other side, I just, as long as he's out there, I feel pretty good about them having a lead and, and scoring some touchdowns. So I've got him QB 11. I have him ahead of Trey Lance, who's next on our confidence list. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I think this, the floor is better with Hill than Lance. I could see it going pretty south for Lance, um, but maybe I'm wrong there. So what's your, what's your confidence with Lance against Houston? It Honestly, it's like a seven with Lance. I, I'm just completely bought in at this point. I, I don't know if I'm crazy. Somebody needs to like knock on my head a few times so that I can snap back to reality. But Lance is my QB nine. Like I, I kind of disagree. I, I don't see a lot of ways for this to go bad. I think the Niners could get up really quickly. And if that's the case, then Lance can just kind of do his thing on the ground. And he probably was involved in getting up really quickly. I, if it's a close game, I think they're going to ask him to do a lot more. Maybe sure. Maybe he throws a pick or two or fumbles it, but that that's not that big of a deal in fantasy football as opposed to real life. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just very confident in Lance. Okay. I mean, I've got him at 13 and I, I don't think I could get him any higher than 10 probably, but I think the 10 to 14 range is super close and you could go any direction. So um, I'm not going to push back on it much. I, I do think it's an interesting discussion between Hill and Lance, but I guess it just really comes down to how much you trust, um, you know, Shanahan, uh, Lance, just athleticism taking over what you think about this Houston defense. It, it's a good spot for him for sure. So I, I will see how much running Lance does, how much running the running backs do. Um, I hope they let him out there, but I mean, I guess they did in the past. He had some high rushing totals. So um, yeah, I, I think they're both pretty good plays. I'd play them both over Kirk Cousins in the cold or Tua against Tennessee. So we're in the same general area there. So, um, yep, I agree. Yeah, there, there's 15 quarterbacks that I feel varying degrees of decent about. Uh, Hill is the last one on that list. And yeah, Cousins and Tua aren't included. Yeah, and I think Fields would be in there for both of us if we were confident he was healthy. We'll see how that turns out. But he's got the rushing upside as well. So. All right, on to tight end here. Um, some quick injury news. Jack Doyle did not practice Thursday. Um, are we uh, firing up our Mo Alley Coxes where we have them? Only if Wentz plays. If okay. Wentz plays, then I think he's interesting because he had a 90% snap share after Doyle got injured. I Right now, without Wentz, I have him ranked at like tight end 19. He's going to get up there pretty pretty quickly if Wentz is confirmed to be playing. Okay. Um, Pat Fryermuth in Pittsburgh concussion. Um, he did fully practice Thursday. I believe that's new. I don't think he practiced at all Wednesday after missing week 16. So he seems to be on the right track. 
Um, James O'Shaughnessy, kind of a regular streaming option on this show, did not practice with a hip injury. Uh, so I, I think you probably found a better tight end than O'Shaughnessy at this point. But hey, um, he's not going to be out there, it doesn't look like. And then Travis Kelsey was acted from the co- activated from the COVID list. Uh, we'll see how it affects him, but it's a really nice matchup against these Bengals linebackers. So um, let's go to confidence levels here. We can just kind of talk about the position as a whole. Uh, where does the tier of solid starters end for you and the, the streaming range of tight ends begin? Yeah, the solid starters end at tight end 11 for me, which is Tyler Higby. Um, like we've kind of talked about with the Ravens against opposing passing games, it means good things. So Higby is where I would stop feeling amazing. After that, we've got like Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, then CJ Uzoma, our streamer. Okay, I'm about the same range. Um, I, I've got an ending at 11 with Mike Gesicki. He's kind of on the edge for me. I, I wrote them up for sit start. Um, he's really fallen off recently. It hasn't been his target share. He had a season high 32% like in week 15. He had a high target share in week 13, um, but he hasn't scored since week seven. And there's just not many tight ends that can overcome it. So I'm, I'm a little on the fence with Gesicki. Uh, the Titans just shut down George Kittle for the most part. Fryermuth didn't do much. Uh, Kelsey only 65 yards on 12 targets in week seven. So it's not a great matchup. So he's kind of right on that end edge for me. Gesicki is he's, he's seeing red zone work, but he's not seeing work inside the five yard line. So he's just not getting those close in looks. So it's, it's really just volume dependent. So after him, I guess maybe I'm a little too low on Higby. I've got him just outside. I think he's a strong play, but I, I think it's the top 11 for me. So where, um, as far as like, you know, once you get past the solid starters, um, the obvious streamers, um, what, like what desperation plays do you like this week? Some of them are like Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, Foster Moreau. You can go even deeper if you want, but rank some of these desperation plays. Yeah. So with what we've talked about, um, with the green Bay and Minnesota game, I would put Conklin at the bottom of those options at this point. Like he's another one that kind of needs to be in, in like right place, right time for him to really produce in fantasy. And I don't think five degree weather in green Bay is the right place or the right time. Um, Above him, I would put Foster Moreau. I, I know it's gross, um, but I, I mean, he's still been playing mostly full complements of the snaps. Indianapolis is pretty bad against tight ends. So I think there's actually some upside there with Moreau. There's no one else in that offense. And then I would put Gerald Everett at the top of that group. Um, yep. Still under my streamer, CJ Uzoma. Uh, but Everett has just kind of been commanding targets recently, like he, right there with DK Metcalf in the target totals. So, and I, I think Everett's good. Like he, he's an athletic tight end. Like he, he's somebody that I drafted a lot, like at the end of drafts this year. And he's off most of my rosters by this point, obviously, but yeah. I think you could do worse against Detroit. Yeah, exactly. He's my tight end 12. So I agree right there with you. He's one of their only checkdown options, so he's getting some volume because they just don't have that in their offense right now. So I agree with that. Um, I think you think you covered most of them for me. Um, I'll say if you have a super, super deep like Dynasty, like pickup, he's probably on Dynasty rosters. But I did like what I saw from Brevin Jordan um, on the Texans. I had four catches for 56 yards last week, and they've been using him more. You're not going to start him in a regular redraft league, but just a, a name to watch. He looked relatively athletic for a tight end and they were going to him on some big third downs. So um, name to watch Brevin Jordan. So, um, all right. I think that wraps up tight end pretty good. Let's go over defense real quick here. Lots of questions on sit start on Reddit about the Cowboys defense. 
Um, so they're playing the Cardinals this week. They've been on fire lately against some bad competition. Are you playing the Cowboys D over any of these elite matchups this week? I probably not. Like I'm very much like a, a sit the defense against the elite offense in a high game total. And th- this is the highest one of, on the slate. The Cowboys are favored at home at least. Um, but yeah. I think the floor is really low here. There, There's definitely a possibility that they get a pick six or whatever. And I look stupid and their defense continues to be really amazing. Um, but I, I think you can find higher floor options. I'll put it that way. I would, I, I would really consider playing the bears over the Cowboys, honestly. Yeah. So that's kind of right where I have them slotted in. And I actually wonder if I should lower them a little bit. I mean, the Dow- Dallas is big games recently. I mean, they've been all been big games, but um, against Washington, the giants, Washington, the saints uh, had a couple down weeks, had a big week against Atlanta. Like it's not great competition here. So I had them at uh, defense five, just above the bears. Um, I think it may be worth moving them down below the Bears, maybe even the Eagles against Washington, maybe even San Francisco against Houston. Um, I, I'm definitely playing uh, New England, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and New Orleans above the Cowboys, but it's probably worth moving them down a couple spots there. So um, what is the best defense you see this week that you would be sitting? Maybe the Cowboys are the answer, but what's a, what's a defense that you should get out of your lineup this week? Yeah, it's either the Cowboys or if not them, then the Cardinals. Like, I I don't think this game is what we're going to want for fantasy defense scoring. Like, I I think it's going to be a shootout. I think the over might hit. And right right now, it's it's was it like 52 or 53 last I checked, I think. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think I'm right on board. I don't really see any other real obvious ones. Um, So, yeah, I think about the Cowboys. I think they're hot enough. You can play them. Um, But, yeah, I'm right on board with you there. So, um, all right. So let's go through some desperation options here. Um, Which ones stand out to you here? Uh, The Giants, 3% rostered at Chicago. Washington, 25% rostered against Philadelphia. Tennessee, 42% rostered against Miami. Uh, What are you thinking with these uh, desperation options? Yeah, so of those three, I prefer the Titans uh, just because they're the only home favorite on this list. Um, but I do think that if you're looking for lower rostered options, then the, the Giants might be a better bet than someone like Washington. I I mean, obviously, they're on the road. We don't like that. They're underdogs. We don't like that. But the, there's a big possibility that this is just like a 10 to 3 game or something like that. I, I don't think we're all excited to tune in to Giants Bears. The Bears have been one of the most generous teams in giving up sacks all year long. So I think that's where the Giants could possibly like make their fantasy floor here. Yep. So that that's where I would lean to if I can't get the Bears. That's obviously the preferable option. Yeah, I like that play. It's just you're just worried about how bad that offense is going to be. Are they going to give the Bears five short fields on turnovers? But as far as just the defense against the offense matchup, yeah, I think the Giants can get some sacks, maybe some turnovers. So I agree with you. I wouldn't really be going out of my way to get Tennessee against Miami, I don't think. Um, Washington, Philly, I, I don't think that's – I don't know. I Hurts could take some sacks, but I think Philadelphia is going to play that one pretty close to the vest for the most part, running the ball. So I'm generally looking to get up against a team that's going to be chucking it all over the yard and get some sacks on them. So, um, all right. Well, uh, there was a lot to talk about this week. I think we covered just about all of it. Um, Anything you want to go over before we get out of here, Ryan? Any uh, uh, big championship games or, uh, you know, DFS plays or anything this week? 
<laughs> oh man, you want DFS takes off the top of my head. Usually I wait until like 11 o'clock on Sunday morning to start <laughs> thinking about DFS. Um, no, that's fine. I'll, no, I'll, I'll just say uh, good luck to everybody in your championship matchups. And I'm excited to be back here next week with what I'm sure is going to be a very, very fun week 18 episode. So stay tuned for that. Yep, we will be here next week. Uh, we'll see how seriously we take it. There may be a lot of joking and some segments, and we'll try to at least tell you which teams have something to play for and which teams are going to take the week off. So we'll get you a start. Um, you may have to take it all the way to setting your rosters on Sunday, but we'll help you out along the way. We're not going to leave you at week 18 if you still have a league out there. So, uh, yep, thanks for listening, everyone. Good luck in your championship matchups. Hope you win some money this week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.